Hi, I'm Jen Garecki, the CEO and co-founder of Coalition Snow. On any given day, you might find me on the back of a motorcycle in Africa, chipping away at the patriarchy, or playing in the mountains. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. I'm a high school teacher, and when I'm not in the classroom, you can find me on the mat, on the trail, or skiing 12 months a year around the world. What we've learned over the years is that despite how good that epic powder day or trail ride is, there's still so much more to talk about. So what we're doing is taking those conversations that we start on the chairlift and the trail, and we're delivering them to you in juicy bits every few weeks. As modern outdoor women, we do more than get dirty outside. We are complex, adventurous, and intellectual. And so are you. So subscribe today. Check out our campaign on Patreon and get ready to blush, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is brought to you by Coalition Snow, a women's outdoor company making equipment and apparel designed to deconstruct the status quo. FYI, friends, this podcast contains mature content and may not be appropriate for younger ears. You've been warned and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Juicy Bits. This is Jen Garecki, CEO of Coalition Snow, and I am sitting with Roz G, pro halfpipe skier in what should be known as the sandiest camp in the entire world, which happens to be in Namibia. Roz, welcome to Juicy Bits. Thank you, excited to be here. Roz, why are you here? What are, what are you doing? So I saw you, Jen, post something about African spokes sometime in October, and I have romanticized bike touring for a long time. Never done any of it, but always imagined it'd be something that I loved. And I saw you post about it. I looked up the website and I was like, yes, I want to do this. It's a long ways away. And at that point in time, really had my eyes set on getting to the Olympics in February. It was in the back of my head that it was something that I was going to think about and dress as soon as the Olympics were done. Yeah, and then the the day before I flew out of San Francisco to actually come to Africa to to start this ride in Nairobi, you called me and asked, is it too late? Can I still come? Yeah, I like flew home, got home from Korea, woke up the next day and was like, okay, I need a new adventure and I phoned you up. So when did you join us on what what leg? I joined for leg three. Uh, So I flew out of Canada April 17th and started riding with you the 21st of April. Okay, so you joined us. We'd had about 30 some odd days under our belt. For those of you who need some context here, I'm riding my bike across Africa. At this moment, I don't know why I decided to do that. Uh, But we started in Nairobi on March 18th and making our way down to Cape Town, and it'll take 70 days in total. And Roz came out for the She's out for the third, fourth, no, fourth, fifth, sixth legs, basically starting in Livingston, Zambia, making our way through Botswana, Namibia, South Africa, 
until we, we reach Cape Town. So Roz and I have had, what, like, have we been to get 12 days? How many days has it no. been? I left home three weeks ago, so we've been riding together for like two and a half weeks. Wow, it's been a long time. So one of the things that Roz and I were talking about today when we were when we were considering like what was it that we wanted to discuss on this podcast is things that we that we didn't think about before we started this trip that surprise us now that really should have never surprised us like the most obvious things that when we talk about it right now everyone's gonna be like of course that's exactly what you would face in Africa but I don't know Roz if you're anything like me I'm pretty much up for an adventure so when I was asked to do this trip I was like of course who who wouldn't want to ride their bike across Africa that sounds like the most amazing adventure ever yeah I've joked sometimes that I like doing things just for the story which sometimes my mom cautions me against. She's like, no, you don't need that many more stories. Like, be safe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm also up for an adventure. Yeah. And this one, this kind of seemed to me like sort of like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's not every day that one of your close friends asks you to ride across the continent of Africa. And I figured I wasn't getting any younger. So that's why I said yes. And now tomorrow's day 54. So I'm 54 days into this. And I, I definitely feel like there are things that I should have known were going to happen. What are some of yours? I think for me, coming here was wanting such a break from skiing and the ski world and how my life is around skiing. And a lot of that has to do with like group dynamics, being on a team, not getting to choose my own schedule or who I spend time with. And it didn't, had, it didn't click to me until I got here that a bike tour is really similar. There's like a lot of different personalities that are thrown together for a common goal, regardless of whether they have you know, similar backgrounds or values. And so it was funny for me to have a moment and realize, oh, I'm in a very different situation, but still super similar in terms of it being an athletic goal with a group of people that some days people are going to be struggling and stressed and, and be at their worst and need to like figuring out how to manage that for myself, which it should have been obvious, but it, it really wasn't that it, until I got here. Yeah. That would probably be one of my biggest obvious aha moments as well, particularly because I don't really like groups. So it's funny that I would agree <laughs> to go on a 70 day trip with a group of people whom I only for the whole 70 days, I only know one one person, James. Um, and it didn't really cross my mind, a group dynamic thing. I was like, oh, everyone's there to cycle. Everyone's there for Africa. We'll just, you know, ride our bikes every day and it'll be fine. But the group dynamic piece has definitely been a challenge because you can't get away from anyone. So you're having three meals a day unless you go sit by yourself, which is rude and awkward. Um, you're cycling with people, which you can cycle some by, by yourself. Uh, you've got these rest days where if there's an activity, like today we went out to the dunes and you're in the vehicle and, and you're just really with these people. And it's, you know, they, they say you can't choose your family, right? But like, this isn't even your family because you're not related. So there's really not any reason to have to like them at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, doesn't, it's not, it hasn't been all bad. There's been like, I feel like I've made some great connections with people. I think mm -hmm. there's just a moment, a day mm -hmm. when everyone was super stressed where I was like, oh yeah, this is not that different from being on a ski team. Yeah, that's interesting. What are some other obvious aha moments you've had? I think I've been thinking a lot about my whiteness as well. Mm. I think it's something like within the colonial history of Canada, I don't think about that often. Maybe because the colonial issues in Canada with our First Nations community, 
the First, First Nations people are such a minority. You see them, but surrounded by such predominant whiteness. Whereas here in Africa, being white is in the minority. And so there's like more of a discomfort here when you're in a situation where it's like a white person who owns the business and all their employees are black and right. things like that. And you don't feel that as much in Canada because you aren't in the minority. Yeah. So I think I've been thinking a lot about just like the different colonial histories of Africa and North America and just how much longer it is within Africa. Having only spent, I guess, a little bit over a week in Africa before this trip, I've been thinking a lot about the history of the differences of the two different places. I have been in Africa for 15 years now. Um, a lot of you know that I started a social enterprise in Kenya, and I really do consider Kenya in particular a second home. But one of the things that really struck me was when we were in Tanzania and we were camping at primary schools. So there was you know, no campsites, no lodges, and the safest place for us to camp would be at primary schools. And we'd cook dinner and we'd sit down to eat and there would be maybe 50 to 100 people watching you eat. And you knew that that meal that you were having for dinner was more food than some of these children were seeing in days. And even though I'm so used to those disparities, that was actually really uncomfortable for me. It's just so unjust. And I should have known that that was going to happen because I see this sort of injustice every time that I come to Africa, whether I'm in Kenya or I go to South Africa, you, you see it. But that was particularly challenging to eat in front of people who you know are hungry, should have known that there'd be those moments. I guess I thought I was a little tougher, you know, like oh, I've done this Africa thing, right. it's not going to bother me, but that really did. One of the things that I thought I would really struggle with was the physical side of it. And interestingly enough, you just get into this routine of I'm, I'm just gonna wake up and cycle again. That's what I'm gonna do today. And obviously there's really tough days where you're pushed and it's hard. So the physical thing was something I was worried about. I didn't expect the physical side of being disgusting. Yeah, when I showed up, one of the first things you said to me was, Roz, you're going to become the most disgusting version of yourself. And I think I just kind of like laughed being like, I've been camping before. Like I've I've been gross, you know? Like I've mm -hmm. I've done some I've done backcountry stuff, but I think this is really for me. And I brought it to a new, whole new level and I keep thinking that I've peaked. <laughs> and then something happens. And then something else happens. Yeah. I felt the same way because I, you know, I've done tons of multi-day river trips. I did 28 days on the Grand Canyon. I've done backpacking. You really do think like, oh, whatever, I can camp. But no, there's something really special about what's happened on this trip. So let's just run down some of the most disgusting versions of ourselves that have happened. So I'm really fair-skinned and I know that I sunburn easily. Uh, but one of the issues on this trip is we've spent like eight, ten hours in the sun and it's hot. And so it's been too hot to keep sunscreen on. And so I've had some of the worst sunburns of my whole life where my skin has just bubbled. And yes. Bubbled and blistered for days. And I have this one sunburn line on my calf that... It's never going away, I Roz. think it might be a scar. Like, yeah. I think it might be permanent. <laughs> it's never going away. I have that on my back from where I was burnt through my shirt while wearing sunscreen in Tan Tanzania. And yes, I bubbled as well. I bubbled between my long sleeve shirt and my gloves. So every day when I was cycling, I would look down and see. In the morning, it was fine. But then by the afternoon, my skin on my wrists would be bubbling up. 
And that was, yeah, that was one of the first signs of being disgusting. Still the absolute worst moment on this trip for me has been accidentally hitting you off your bike. Having you (laughs) crash into the ground and just like, I've never been responsible for hurting anyone before. And that was super hard. And I feel like that also added to both of our grossness. Yes. Because you had like the oozing knee for a little bit and it was... And then I had a bunch of scrapes and I am really bad at not picking my scrapes. And so I've just been like trying so hard not to pick them, but have to admit occasionally it's happened. And that's, you know, also really added to the overall, the overall disgustingness. I've not picked any of my scabs for the record. (laughs) Uh, In case you haven't been following along on the Instawebs, Roz had a moment where she became temporarily distracted and in that moment hit my bike on the tarmac in Botswana luckily we weren't going that fast but we were the problem was really that the tarmac was like a cheese grater it wasn't like this nice smooth pavement that we're used to it was really like cheese grater style so my upper body hit the dirt which was great but my knee took the brunt of it and um there was some skin flaps so yeah so for me some of my most disgusting moments would be and I still have it the flaps of dead skin hanging off my knee and then the oozing blood and pus and the swelling and the bruising mm-hmm. all of that combined on top was of high. all the bug the all the the bug bites bug bites that fucking keep you awake all <laughs> night long I, one night i couldn't even count how many bites i had on my feet i mean dozens dozens and yeah the bug bites that might also be permanent scars disgusting disgusting and i think for one of the things that surprised me is that i've done quite a bit of cycling before and I made sure I had really good quality chamois shorts and chamois cream. But still, I've had, I had two, two days where they were really long and really hot. And I just couldn't get the chamois cream to stick in. So I got terrible saddle sores. Like, my bum blistered. I thought that was like something that just happened if... Well, I'd heard it happening if you don't shower while cycling, like if you like, or if you don't wash your chamois. You don't wash your yeah. chamois, but I was washing my chamois, putting on so much cream, but it was just too hot, and it just melted off me, and like it was like a weird searing pain on my bum while I was trying to cycle. It is burning. I didn't have saddle sores the way that you had saddle sores, but I was starting to get some at the beginning of the trip, and the way that I found out that I had them was actually by taking a selfie of my bum. We're, we're still in the most disgusting version of ourselves. I took a selfie of my bum in my tent one night because I was like, this just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a blister, but something's not right, and then there were just red spots everywhere, and then I started applying all of my green goo because I needed to not have blistering swords. And it was on my bum. I was so worried about my bits. The bits have been been fine. fine. It was the, it's the crease. Yeah. It's the, it's the crease of your bum leg. Mm -hmm. And that's been really bad. I also took a selfie and I've had a few moments where I've been trying to show people pictures on the trip that I've taken. And then Oops. in my role, I'll see the bum selfies and have to like quickly move to make sure that like I'm just showing them the pictures that I mean to be showing them, not so they can't see my whole camera roll. That's happened to me a couple times, but not with the bum on this trip, but just in general life. We're like, you're not meant to see that. Okay, another gross thing the number of times I'm peed on myself. I can't even. <laughs> So, once again, I would consider myself a highly experienced wilderness camper, but there have been times, like, I have so much pee on me, 
when we had this one night, this beautiful wild camp where we were camping underneath a baobab tree, but the dirt is sort of hard like a rock. So I had my water bottle set aside and I pee, but as I was peeing, my pee was spraying so much it actually covered my water bottle. And then I haven't told you about this yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is a new one. Exciting. <laughs> so not last night, but the night before, um, we had had a talk and briefing about the number of scorpions and snakes that there might be just in general, but also at this camp. So when I woke up at two in the morning and had to go to the bathroom, I was like, there's no way I'm walking up like through the rocks to a toilet I'm just going to pee out the back end of my tent because why do you have two sides of a tent one to get in and one to pee out of the, mm. obviously so I unzip my tent pop my backside out I've done this before mm-hmm. with no problem and I pee and then I'm fine and I go back to bed Next morning when I'm rolling up my tent, I realized that actually the pee had puddled under my <laughs> tent. So I had a, I had pee on my ground cloth and on the tent and then realized that I had slept in my own pee. But we were like trying, remember it was the morning, we were like, we're going to be out of here at 7 yeah. o'clock. So I just quickly took my water bottle and like threw some water on it and it's never been cleaned well. Partly because what is the point? Yeah. Because if you look at our tents today, they are covered in sand. Sand. Every time you open everywhere. your tent, everything has a thin layer of sand. It's it's on everything. Yeah. On your, I haven't in spent your teeth. a lot. Of, I haven't spent a lot of time in desert, so this is this has been a really new experience for me. Just how much sand there is everywhere. Well, and while you and I were having lunch, a uh, dust devil came through camp and actually picked my tent up and deposited it on (laughs) someone else's tent and broke her tent there's that much wind and that much sand so if we were doing this podcast tomorrow we'd probably have a whole nother conversation around places that sand are for the most disgusting versions of ourselves. but part of me isn't like enjoying the stories of just how disgusting it is it's not yeah like i think if it was all pristine and we were staying in nice resorts and everything was clean all the time it would I think it would really detract from the experience like I really yes. think this is overall adding oh yeah I really wouldn't wish it any other way no but it is you do and then the other thing the other thing too is that when you do wild camping so many nights in a row you realize how many days go by that you haven't looked at yourself in a mirror and then when you do look at yourself in in the mirror you have these holy shit moments of like I am so exhausted. My, like, you just start looking at the sunspots. Well, for me, sunspots you have on your face and um, these weird tan lines and everything just, you look so tired and you're like, I'm just, I feel so bad for any stranger who looks at me and wonders, like, what's wrong with her? Because it's, we look rough. Yeah. We're rough. Mm hmm. Very rough. Definitely. I think the roughest thing that, in terms of disgusting has been when the whole camp got sick though except for me i did not oh yeah you didn't knocking on wood right now yeah. i did not get sick everyone except four maybe i guess yeah. um and i think i was the second one to go down you were and i cycled the whole day felt great felt super strong have been impressed with like how great i've felt through so many kilometers here and then that that afternoon feeling like a little bit just tired i was like i'll go lay in my let's go lay in my tent you know and then I started feeling worse. So I made sure I got out and got grabbed some water, thinking it was just some sunstroke, because I do get pretty badly affected by the sun sometime. So I'm like laying in my tent, and then it like hits me that no, this is gonna be bad. And so I can barely open my tent before I just start explosively vomiting, 
in the oh. middle of camp. Right in the middle. I could not make it any farther. <laughs> I'm just so happy that I managed to get out of my tent. Yes. Because that would have been that would have been the next level if I had had. Because to. you'd be sleeping in a tent that you vomited inside, and there'd be you'd just have that tent for the whole rest of this trip. Yeah, I could wet wipe it a little bit, but there wouldn't no. be really much else I could do. No, <laughs> that would actually make my pee look like nothing. So I remember you like walked over to me, and you're like, "Let's get you a room tonight." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I need to shower. There's puke all over my legs." And you look down, and you're like, "Yeah, there is." <laughs> There really is. <laughs> and you weren't going to put shoes on, but there were thorns everywhere. And you're like, I don't want to get puke on my shoes. I was like, put your shoes on. It doesn't. You're, we're past this. Put your shoes on. We're going to this room. Yeah. And then how did it? Prog- how did that disgustingness progress? Uh, well, like the disgustingness of other people really added to it. <laughs> so while I was laying in my tent um, before the puking happened... Uh, and be, laying in your tent on this trip in the afternoon is like a pretty rare thing, you know, because yeah. it's hot in the, your tent. So people are usually in the afternoons, you know, reading or by the, the kitchen or doing their laundry, especially. Showering, or working on your bike. Working on your bike, journaling. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's really in their tent. So it's like, it is unusual time. So I was laying in my tent, but someone else had realized that most people aren't in their tents in the afternoon. And I decided to use this time to enjoy themselves. And so I was laying in my tent, feeling super sick, about to pu- about to puke, and I could just hear that telltale sign of male masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept trying to like clear my throat so they would know that I was in the tent right next to them, like some like scratching, you know, moving my stuff around. But I realized like they they were in the zone, not listening. So I put <laughs> so I put my I put my pillow over my head for a while. But then I had to explosively vomit, so I had to take my pillow off my head and unzip, and that happened to me at the time, right when they were finishing. Um, so I'm unzipping, hearing the moaning, just like about to explosively vomit. And so I realized that they probably in that moment realized that there was someone laying right next to them. And may- I don't know, maybe they took it personally, the explosive vomiting. I guess we'll never know. It's not something I'm trying to discuss. No, the things that are left unsaid, right? But that wasn't the only um, sexual encounter that you have had during your sickness, which all of this potentially made the vomiting worse. But tell us about the other thing that happened. The next thing is when I was laying in my bed. So I got like a little... Cottage, like cottage, yeah. but the uh, it was a fabric cottage. Like it was meant to look like, like a, safari tent camp. A safari, yeah. a safari. So it had a, it had a real floor, but it was a tent. Um, so it's not a wall. Like I think you think you're so private in your tent, and it's so good to. This has been such a good reminder to me that like you're not private when you are in your tent. No, um, you can get naked and no one can see you, but everyone can hear you. Um, so while I was laying in uh, my bed. Because by this time I was vomiting and bad stuff the other end as well. I feel really bad for the person that had to clean that bathroom. Um, yeah. Um, laying in my bed, two other people started having sex in the tent right outside this tent. And I was just like, once again, trying to do the like, and trying to do like the moaning, like the, oh, God. I'm the, so sick. Like the moaning uh. you make when you're like really unf- not feeling well. So, like, so they would know that they could hear me moaning so like i could probably hear, hear them moaning but once again people are just in their zone you know in the zone Not it's a good reminder that when you're in the zone there might be something else going on or i guess you just have to decide like do you how care much, do you care yeah yeah which 
you you mentioned this the other day when we were riding and I've kind of clearly gotten there today at the sort of like I don't give a fuck zone um how do you think you got there like what what kind of like snapped for you um I'm just like yeah I'm not sure maybe like a little bit of a comfort of the people we're with you know the mm-hmm. group there's like a I th- well, I think what helped is, like, everyone getting so sick. You know, everyone was talking about their diarrhea. Yes. Their poopy chamois shorts. Yep. How many stops they had to take in the woods. You know, people were, like... I think that kind of sickness does bring you closer because it, like, breaks down those kind of... Those reservations in terms of talking about the most, like, some of the grosser aspects of being a human. I think, like, once you break those down, then it's, like, what am I trying to hide from these people? Like, exactly. I can just really be you know exactly i can just really like let go yeah no, no bra ever yeah no bra <laughs> no bra rarely underwear like sometimes like there's a potentially i might have made someone else vomit by accidentally by getting out of my tent and accidentally like flashing someone because i wear a dress almost every day because you have to get the chamois off and then you need the things to breathe mm-hmm. like you need everything to breathe and because it's so hot you are so disgusting on your bike as well. So you put on a layer of sun cream and then you get covered in dirt. And so by the time you get into camp, you could actually scrape it off if you had to. And you're just hot and everything's sweaty and your face has like salt deposits all over it. And so you just really want to be free. And so I always take a shower and I put on a dress, but a lot of times I don't wear underwear and I might've accidentally flashed people are you sure or are you just worried about it? I'm not worried about it. I think it might have happened. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure and I'm not worried, okay. but I think that's very possible. Um, like just today also people might have seen my nipples a few times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I just can't care anymore because we have 17 days left. And for me, I'm personally on the countdown of like 17 days, 17 days until wow. the 70 days are over, which gets me. Okay. I'm going to get into our final question here. Okay. Looking back on this trip for me, I'm seeing that there's definitely been different stages. And one of the things that I keep trying to focus on is where I'll be at the end of the trip. Not that I don't want to live in the moment here because, you know, like we're in Namibia now and this has been on my bucket list forever and I'm loving every day here. So it's not that I don't want to be doing this, but you start to shift a little bit mentally of, well, how am I going to close this out? And and almost like what's the legacy of, of this trip? So when you're done and not necessarily the day we ride into Cape Town or even when, when you go home, but when looking back on this trip, what are you hoping to get out of it? Or what, what are you hoping to, the memories that you, you leave with? What, what's important to you? I think one of the things I already know is I want to do more. I think one of the things that's been touching for me on this trip is that we're with, it's a, a group of especially older men, like men, yes. in, men in their 50s. I had a moment actually when we were in Botswana where... I was eating Indian food in Botswana with five British men in their 50s. And I had a moment being like, this is not a memory I imagined in 2018, but it was awesome. It was a really fun evening and overall such a great group of men. And I think for me, bike touring has been something I've associated with my dad for so long. Mm-hmm. And something that now is like reinforced that desire to want to do it with him eventually. To organize a bike tour, to do something else that's the two of us. And then also I think seeing these people that are decades older than me realizing that I want this to be something that I also do in my 50s yeah. um, and what that adventure will be and then 
maybe even redoing this section in my 50s or yeah three four decades from now like wanting that to be a lifehood a life plan to be at a level of health and fitness that that can be something that I, I do Cairo to Cape Town in my mm-hmm. in my late 50s kind of thing I think this is like a stepping stone almost for me I think for so long for me physical activity has been linked to to my profession to you know how I've made money to success to glory to medals to podiums and biking has been one always one of the ways that I've shifted that mentality back to just like a love of exercise you know we're not like biking these long days for anything other than the adventure and to Mm -hmm. do it and I think that's like such a good reminder of me that that like the the medals and the podium and all that all that aspect of exercise is going to be such an overall short part of my athletic life and to like remind myself that this is like like these are this is what I'm like looking forward to this type of exercise and like what this what having a body means in this way yeah awesome Roz anything else you want to chat about today no I feel like we've had a good one okay well thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time bye bye Can I take you? Yeah, bye.